we are continuing in the book of Hebrews. We are in starting chapter 10 today. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 18, so a bigger chunk today. We only did four verses last week, and today we're going to do 18. That's just how it works. Hebrews 10, verses 1 through 18. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said, Above you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in the sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is a covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put their, my law on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Thus ends our reading of God's saving word. May all who hear it discover that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ has removed their sins forever. Nothing lasts. Am I right? That everything breaks. Everything fails. We, we live in a world where, where, where nothing is dependable, where, where everything will eventually break down and fall apart. Your dishwasher, your lawnmower, your vehicle. You can only rely on these things for so long before they wear out and no longer work, before they have to be repaired or, or even replaced. And, and it's not just appliances and machines that let us down, is it? But, but often it's the very people in our own lives, the, the people that we love, the people that we trust. Even they will disappoint us. A friend will forget your birthday. Uh, a 
classmate doesn't show up for a group assignment, and an employee calls in sick just a little too often, and the list goes on and on. But it's not just the people around us, is it? For oftentimes, it's our own self. You forget to set your alarm, and you wake up late. You, you leave the casserole in the oven a little bit too long, and it burns. You drive a little bit too fast down an icy hill, and suddenly your car is in a ditch. And those are just examples of our mental feelings. For as we get older, we begin to recognize that we have physical feelings as well. But we understand that there comes a time when, when our own bodies start to break down. They, 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 they cease to function as we'd like them to, to function. Joints begin to ache. Muscles take longer to heal, and sicknesses like the flu suddenly become much more serious. But our brokenness isn't limited to our thinking and our bodies, for we are broken spiritually as well. We, we understand that, the, that there are both good and evil choices that we make, that we don't always do what is right. In fact, if we are honest with ourselves, we, we will understand that our, our primary motives in pretty much everything we do come out of our own selfish desires. And so deep down, we feel broken inside. We, we feel like there is something that is wrong with us, that we don't measure up. We feel guilty. As we have been going through this letter to the Hebrews, we have discovered that, that our author has been slowly but steadily making this case that Jesus is better. And the reason he has given such an argument is because he is speaking to a church that because of persecution has been tempted to leave the faith behind and pursue a safer path in this life. You see, this, this original audience was, was comprised of Jewish converts to the Christian faith. And because of their commitment to Jesus, they were now being shunned. They were now being harassed. They faced poverty. They faced imprisonment. They were even threatened physical harm. And yet, if they would just go back to Judaism, then all that trouble would just disappear. And yet, as our author has pointed out numerous times, the comfort that they would gain by turning their backs on Christ would only be temporary. And what Jesus has to offer is eternal. And thus we see this argument that Jesus is better. That, that he is superior to the angels, even though he took a position lower than the angels. That for he became a man in order to identify with us and to suffer in our stead. And that by identifying with us, by, by suffering in, in our place, the, the, the Father appointed him to be this head, better high priest. A, a high priest who is superior to, to the Levitical high priest of all. For, for Jesus is a high priest forever always before his Father, interceding for those he loves. 
And as this better high priest, he inaugurates a better covenant by bringing to the mercy seat, the mercy seat of God, he brings a better blood, the blood that can actually purify the conscience. And if you recall, it, it, he, he brought that blood into a better tabernacle, in, into a heavenly tabernacle, where God is present in his full glory. And then last week, we began a new section in this book of Hebrews, where, where our author is now making an argument that the, the sacrifice that Jesus made is also better. That it is superior to those sacrifices of old. And the reason it is superior is because it, it only needed to be made once. And the reason it only needed to be made one time is because it is an everlasting sacrifice. It is eternal. And yet last week we, we did not delve deep into that argument. And so today we're going to continue on this path of, of seeing this superior sacrifice. <clears throat> the argument that the, the offering that Christ made is a better offering. Better than those offerings of old. For not only is it an everlasting argument, but it is also an, an effective sacrifice. So let's look at our passage. Let's see what we can learn. Look at Hebrews 10, verses 1 through 4. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, Instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. What we find in these four short verses is a problem. It is a problem that our author is addressing with the sacrifices of old. And what is that problem? That they can never perfect those who draw near. We've talked about this before. So let me remind you, the, 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 the words make perfect, when he says make perfect, it, it does not mean to perfect it in the sense that we typically use it today. Rather, it means to complete. For, for it is the Greek verb teleosai, which means to bring something to an end, to bring it to completion, or, or to finish a task. And so what our author is saying is that these old covenant sacrifices could never complete or finish the work that they set out to accomplish. The work of bringing sinful man into a right relationship with their Father in Heaven. The work of cleansing those who worship once and for all by removing their guilt permanently. Those old sacrifices could not accomplish that. And, and that's why our author asked that rhetorical question in verse 2. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? In, in other words, if, if the blood of these animals truly had any cleansing power, 
They, they, they would have purified the man through and through to the uttermost. They, they, would not, they, they, they would have not only provided the forgiveness of sins, but they, they would have also had the ability to change a man from within and to give him a clean heart. And that is what is meant by, by the words, no longer having consciousness of sins. And yet the inadequacies of these sacrifices became painfully evident by the mere fact that these sacrifices needed to be repeated over and over and over again. And so instead of doing the, the, the perfect work that needed to be done, these things became annual reminders that they were a people who were not perfected. That their sins were not really removed and their, and their hearts were not really changed. But why were these things not effective? Well, why could they not accomplish true cleansing? Because the blood of bulls and the blood of goats do not have the power to remove sins. And therefore, sin would, would always be in the way of the worshiper being forgiven. It would always be in the way of the worshiper being purified. It would always be in the way of the worshiper being truly cleansed. And so these Israelites, they, they could never have the assurance that, that, that his or her sins were permanently forgiven. Nor could they have the confidence to approach God's throne. This, my friends, is a problem. For under the law, under this old sacrificial system... There was never any assurance of salvation. Only that nagging feeling that you don't measure up. Let me ask you today. Do you feel guilty? Did you wake up this morning feeling burdened? Did, did you come here today unsure of how that burden could be removed? Do you believe that there is no solution to your sins? Perhaps you are new to church. And you, and you have yet to believe in this God. You're not even sure if he's real. And yet, you know that something isn't right. And that there must be something more to this world than, than, than what you can physically see. And you understand that there is a difference between right and wrong. But you're not certain where that sense of right and wrong comes from. But you also know that you have fallen short of that right and wrong standard. And that's why you feel guilty. And so you thought, perhaps, per, perhaps this Jesus that these Christians keep talking about, maybe, maybe he might be able to bring me peace. And that's why you're here today. If this is you, let me, let me tell you, that guilty feeling that you have, it is real. You, you have discovered the problem that, that that old sacrificial system could not solve. The problem of your own brokenness. But maybe you are already a Christian. You believe in this God and you believe in his son. And yet there is recurring sin in your life. 
sin that, 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 that seems like it just won't go away. It's like crazy glue that you get on your fingers, right? You, you try to pick at it, you try to peel it away, you, you scrub it as, as hard as you can, and yet it is constantly there, and you can't get rid of it. And so you're left wondering, am I truly a Christian? Am I truly saved? Because you feel broken. You feel like a failure. And no matter what you do, and no matter how hard you try your sin, it always comes back. And thus you feel crushed by the weight of your own guilt. Is there an answer? Is there a solution? Is there anything that can be done? Is there anyone who can free you from your guilt? How fortunate we are that Christ came to set things right. Look at, look at verses 5 through 7. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Within this quote from Psalm 40, we, we discover two things. One, that God was not satisfied with those Old Testament sacrifices. And what does he say? Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Second thing that we learn. Jesus. Jesus was willing to obey his Father by offering up his own body. And he does this in order to solve the problem of those unsatisfactory sacrifices. Now, now, we've talked about why these sacrifices were, were unsatisfactory. But we should, we should ask the question, why would God command his people to give offerings that he knew would be unsatisfactory? Why would he do this? Well, for one, these sacrifices were only copies of the real thing. They, 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 they were foreshadows of something greater, something that was yet to come. You see, because of their ineffectiveness to take away sins, these, these continuous sacrifices were meant to point out to the people their need for a better sacrifice. Their need for something more than the blood of animals. In other words, these things were meant to point the people to a sacrifice that could truly remove their guilt and offer forgiveness. But there was another reason that God established this old sacrificial system. And that was to show them their need for a new heart. You see, one more reason God found these, these sacrifices as unsatisfactory was because the people who were offering them never really changed. Instead of repenting from their sins, so that these sacrifices wouldn't be necessary. They, they simply continued in their ways. 
counting on on their next trip to Jerusalem, their next trip to the temple to receive forgiveness. And yet the reason they did not change was because the blood of bulls and the blood of goats had no power to change them. They had no power to give them that new heart. And it was for this reason that Jesus Christ came. For they needed someone who would be willing to obey his father. Someone who who would prepare his own body and solve the problem of these unsatisfactory sacrifices. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He offered up a sacrifice that could do more. He offered up a sacrifice that could actually satisfy. He offered up a sacrifice that was better. Look at at verses 8 through 10. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Amen. Dear friends, Jesus is the solution. He's the solution to our problems. He is the answer to that, to that puzzle that, that, that the old system could not solve. Because he does away with the first in order to establish the second. He brings a different kind of sacrifice by offering up his own body. Here's the deal. What we have in Jesus is a true life for a life sacrifice. In fact, it's more than that. You see, the reason that that those bulls and and those goats couldn't offer true forgiveness was because they did not carry the value of a man. In our Sunday morning Bible study, we've been going through the book of Genesis, and, and we saw that the crown jewel of God's creation is what? Right? For man was created in God's image. And God had given to man dominion. Dominion over all the other creatures. But if this is the case, if if man is superior to bulls and to goats, then how can the blood of bulls and goats cover over the sins of men? They can't. Now think about Jesus. Who is this man? This man who became a sacrifice for his people. Well, for one, he is a man. And and so there is a life for a life value there. But but he's more than just a man, is he not? For, For one, he is without sin. And so he has the ability to die for another man without having to worry about his own sins getting in the way. About his own sins muddying the waters. But you may be thinking to yourself, but pastor, Jesus is only one man. 
And how can one man die in the place of many? How, how can one death pay for the sins of millions, if not billions? And that is where the question of value comes into play. Listen, Jesus is more than just a man, for he is God incarnate. He, he is deity become flesh. He is the God-man. And what type of value do you put on someone who is both fully man and fully God? What is the price of the life of Jesus Christ? You can't set a price. For Christ is of infinite worth. And that is why he could die for many. For no matter how many sinners come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, there is always room for one more. There's always room. And this, my friends, is why Christ's sacrifice is so much better. It's so much better. Look at, look at verses 11 through 14. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Praise the Lord, indeed. If Jesus' sacrifice is, is truly better than those sacrifices of old, then we must ask the question, how so? How is it better? In, in what ways is Jesus' sacrifice superior to those? What, what are the benefits that come from the cross of Christ? In order to answer this, our, our author once again gives us this comparison, a, a contrast, if you will, between those high priests of old and this new high priest, Jesus Christ. And there are three things, three benefits, if you will, that our author wants to point out. One, while these sacrifices under the law were presented daily, not so with Christ. For his sacrifice was a single sacrifice for all time. Again, this speaks to the issue of efficacy. How, how effective these sacrifices were. The offerings under the old covenant, they, they only attempted to cover over the sins of the past. And that's why they need to be repeated so frequently. But the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is offered for all time, past, present, and future. And so from the time that Adam and Eve first bit into that fruit until the day when Christ will return again, there is not a single sin that cannot be forgiven at the cross. What does that mean for you? Well, well it means that, that if you go to Jesus with repentant faith, then regardless of your past and regardless of your future, you can enter the throne room of God having the confidence that your sins are covered. 
that the shed blood of Jesus Christ paid the penalty that you deserve. That Christ's one-time sacrifice is sufficient. Number two. Under the old covenant, those, those high priests were required to remain standing. And yet we see that Jesus is sitting down. He, he is seated at the right hand of his Father. Our author quotes Psalm 110, verse 1, which says this. The, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Here we see the exalted Jesus taking his seat of authority right next to his father. And he will be seated there until all of his enemies are defeated and made a footstool for him. I mean, think about what Jesus said when he was dying on that cross. What, what did our Savior say as he breathed his last? It is finished. It is finished. You see, Jesus is in a position of rest because his work is complete. Jesus is sitting because no further sacrifice is needed. Not so with those, with those priests of old. They had to be ready to battle. Day in and day out. And so they needed to stand. For them there, there was no rest. Because the sin was never really dealt with. And yet Jesus sits. Because he has achieved victory over sin. And he has done so through his own shed blood. And it is in our last comparison that we see the reason why. For where the sacrifices under the old covenant could never take away sins, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ perfects for all time those who are being sanctified. It, you see, it, it was through this one sacrifice that you can find true justification. That you can stand before your God and be seen as innocent. Be seen as righteous. For the sacrifice of Jesus has the power to take away your sins. Earlier I asked you if you feel guilty. Let me ask you another question. Are you guilty? Not, not do you feel guilty, but are you guilty? If you don't have Jesus, then the answer is yes. You are guilty. And the reason you are guilty is because you, you don't have that, that once for all sacrifice that can remove your sins. But if you do have Jesus, if you have turned from your sins and trusted in him, then the answer is no. You are not guilty. And that answer is true regardless of how you feel. Think about that. And because you are not guilty, because you are declared as innocent, 
you can now go to your Father in heaven with confidence, knowing that your sins have been washed away, that you have been perfected in God's sight, that, that, that where you were once broken, you have now been fixed, that where you were once empty, you have now been made whole. But you may be asking, but pastor, what if I sin again? Did he not read what was written in the passage? For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Notice the verb tense here. Christ has perfected you. This is past tense. In other words, he has completed his justifying work. You have been declared innocent. And yet at the same time, our author says that you are being sanctified. And this is present tense. That means that this is happening right now, even as I speak to you. So while you have been justified completely, while you are completely innocent, you are also in the midst of being transformed. You are being cleansed. You are being sanctified. And this is the amazing work that Christ does through his better sacrifice. And this is exactly what we see in our last verses. Look at, look at verses 15 through 18. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is a covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so we see that this new covenant sacrifice, it provides for us a means for both our justification and our sanctification. Justification in that God will no longer remember your sins or your lawless deeds. And, and sanctification and that he will put his law on your heart and write it on your mind. Now, now, when it says God will remember your sins no more, this, this doesn't mean that God will forget them. For God is omniscient. God knows all things. And for God to forget something goes against his nature. Rather, this is poetic language that our author uses. Communicating that, that God will forgive your, witness, your wickedness completely. I'll wipe it away. How cool is that? This means that every sin, every sin, whether big or small, every sin is forgiven. Isn't that amazing? It's truly amazing. And when it says that he will put his law in your heart and write it in your mind, this is a sanctifying word. That God does through his Holy Spirit so that you might have a heart after him. That he might become your desire. 
Now let me ask you, does God ever fail to accomplish his will? Of course not. Right? And this is why you should have confidence. Because what Jesus has to offer is a better sacrifice. And his sacrifice is not like those things of the world that I talked about earlier. Those things that break. Those things that fail. Those things that disappoint. Rather, it is both effective and everlasting. It will not fail. And because he has done this for you, because Jesus has offered this better sacrifice, you can have assurance going forward. Do you feel guilty? Perhaps. Are you guilty? If you are in Christ, then the answer is a definitive no. And that is because Jesus did not fail. Jesus will not fail. And this, my friends, should bring you confidence. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this day as a, as a broken people looking to be made whole again by Jesus Christ. And that is why we come to you confidently knowing that you will not turn away from us. And so we come to you with thankful hearts. We understand that your grace is more than we deserve. And so we thank you for your son and for what he did for us on that cross when he became that better sacrifice, when he died for our sins, where he justified us. And so we ask now that you would change us from within, that your Holy Spirit would sanctify us, would make us whole. We pray this in Jesus' name.